Welcome back to the Bump and Run podcast. My name is Ben Thompson, and I'm here tonight with Charles Norman and Ryan Bush. And tonight we're going to be talking about the NFL honors, and we're going to be making our Super Bowl picks. So stay tuned. All right, guys, so let's get into the NFL honors. Uh, I would like to start off with the MVP award, and I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts on this. Um, Obviously, we know that it's probably going to be the NFL poster boy, Aaron Rodgers, but um, I think each of us have a little bit different opinion of, you know, who it should be or who we want it to be. And Charles, I know that you're not really a major proponent or fan of Aaron Rodgers, so... I'd kind of like to get an idea of where you think the MVP should go to. So this is simple. One player led the league in passing yards, one player led the league in touchdowns, passing touchdowns, and one player led the league in age. And they're all the same person. And that's who the MVP should be. It should absolutely be Tom Brady. Um, I, I don't know if he'll win it or not, but I think the NFL – I don't know what they're doing with Aaron Rodgers. They always keep him in. It's like, you know, rose petal glass eye, you know, description. And I just think I'm, he didn't do anything that Tom Brady did this year. I mean, they both got eliminated the same round. So, and the only difference is Brady lost to the team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. And Rodgers lost to the team that lost to the team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. So I think Tom Brady had an excellent year. Fall injuries, he had an excellent year. I think one of the things about Brady this year is the leader that should be factored into the MVP. Um, we all saw the Jets game, we all saw Antonio Brown doing jumping jacks in the end zone. We all saw, you know, Bruce Arians not being the best coach this year. I don't think Bruce Arians was the best coach this year. I think we saw hothead Bruce Arians, which I enjoy, but I think Tom Brady did what he had to do. There were people on the team that we didn't even know. I think. Been a couple of weeks ago, you were like, who the hell is Keyshawn Vaughn? And right. that was one of the running backs that Brady had to play with. But that, I think, you know what, that's normal for Brady because a lot of time in New England, he was playing with people that, you know, who the fuck is Kimbrough Tompkins? Right. You know? He played with guys that are push, <laughs> you know, pushing shopping yeah. carts to start the season. So Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> remember that you know, one running back who played with them in the Colts game? I can't even remember his name. Jonas Gray. Oh, Jonas, Jonas Gray. Gray. Jonas yeah. Gray, oh, yeah. and then he was gone the next week because <laughs> he missed a meeting or some shit. Yeah, <laughs> missed but a no, meeting. Jack was like, "Your ass is out of here." Right, and I, you so know, I just think Brady is the winner. Right, I think he is too. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go to him. Um, you know, I, I think it will be uh, a quarterback. You know, if you look back to uh, nineteen fifty-seven, I think quarterbacks have been chosen forty-five times, and you know, next is running backs, but. Uh, a lot of people are making a case that um, Cooper Cup could be um, considered the MVP for the season that he's had. But um, you, you look back and a, a receiver's never been chosen. I, you know, I, I don't know why it's always a, a quarterback. I think, you know, it's probably because they lead your team. But, you know, it'd be cool if it was a guy like him. But the, the, the argument for Rodgers is like, oh, yeah, you look, he's got 37 touchdowns. He only has four picks. Like, who cares about interceptions? You look back and, you know, he's, how often do you see tipped interceptions? And, and I, I don't know the exact stats on Brady's interceptions this year, but who cares? Like you said, he, had, he has more yards, um, had way more completions. Uh, 
more touchdowns. I mean, yeah, like you said, the guy's 44 years old, playing at MVP level, and, you know, he's just walking away from the game. I don't know. It, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's probably going to be Rodgers. But um, Bush, you know, I, we haven't heard from you yet. So, you know, kind of the, fill us in on what you think is going to happen. So I think up until Green Bay lost to San Francisco in the playoffs, Rodgers was the clear-cut runaway favorite for this. Well, I, I think that game and his performance in that game really changed a lot of people's opinions because of how flat he and the Packers offense looked. So as much as I would like to think Cooper Cup is deserving of winning the MVP, I, I think it's going to be Brady. I mean, you look at what he accomplished at the age of 44, 45, and I mean, it, it's just unbelievable. I, I, I think, you know, you look at guys who have played in the league for a long time, like Adam Vinatieri, mind you, he's a kicker, but that's still pretty impressive. Or, you know, back in the day, the old Raiders quarterback, George Blanda. I mean, George Blanda played well into his 40s, but not at the peak level Tom Brady has played at. And I I, I think it's going to go to Brady. You know, everybody's going to look at the number of interceptions Rodgers has thrown compared to the number of interceptions Brady has, has thrown. But, you know, Ben, like you said, I, I really think we need to look back and redefine what an interception is if it goes off a receiver's hands and into the hands of a defensive back or a linebacker is that really the quarterback's fault so no I I I really do think it's going to go to Brady actually Rodgers I think just you know with everything that happened this year from a political standpoint and with his play in the playoffs I think he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and they, you know, I think people just came to their senses and said, I don't really know if we like this guy as much as we think we do. So I, I think it, I think it should go to Tom Brady, undoubtedly. So I think when we talk about, we talk about quarterbacks, it's their fault if there's an interception of this tip. Well, if we want to go down that road, then we also have to go down the road of, are there passing yards, really their passing yards? Because like I said last week or the week before, I don't, I can't remember. No quarterback, you know, they're not getting that yak. So where do we stop the passing yards wherever they throw the ball where the ball is caught at. And then on Cooper Cup, you know, Cooper Cup didn't have the best receiving year of all time, yards-wise. Calvin Johnson did in 2012. So he didn't even win Offensive Player of the Year or MVP. Adrian Peterson won it that year, and I don't even think he even broke Eric Dickerson's record. So I don't think as much as I would like to see a receiver win it <laughs> or a different position outside of quarterback win it, because it's really the quarterback award. I think since 1999, there might have been two two, three um, non-quarterbacks on it was that LT, Sean Alexander, and Adrian Peterson. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, or we'll correct it next week. This is not a wide receiver's reward because a wide receiver isn't, you can't take it from a quarterback and give it to a receiver because what's the receiver without the quarterback? But also, what is the quarterback's passing yards record or passing yards number without the receiver? So I think we have a double-edged sword with the interception piece there. But while I agree with it, but I also think we need to relook if we're going to relook at that or revisit that and change that. We also need to revisit, you know, their passing yards because, you know, if you throw a five yard, five yard slant and your receiver takes it 75 yards for a touchdown, are those your passing yards or is that just to run after catch? So it's, it, I think that's a slippery slope that the NFL will not go down. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, what's, <laughs> That can, you know, that kind of leads us into the next award, which, um, which I think Cooper Cup will win is the offensive player of the year. Um, I mean, the dude single handedly carried me to our fantasy football championship and uh, plenty of other people. But 
the dude is just so crafty and, you know, he finds the weakness in, in the defense and just takes advantage of it. He had 1,947 receiving yards this year. And it just goes to show, you know, I know he's like six, two, he's not the tallest receiver in the league. Uh, you know, he sort of reminds me of kind of like Julian Edelman, if we're, if we're being honest, but, um, hell of a year for Cooper cup, a runner up or, you know, honorable mention here would definitely be Jonathan Taylor. And I'm assuming, you know, you guys might have something to say about that, but uh, I think it's Cooper Cup. So I'd, I'd like to hear what you think, Bush, and then we'll go to Charles. Oh, I think it's Cooper Cup as well. There's no question about it. I mean, the best receiving season we've seen since Calvin Johnson back in 2012. You know, I wanted to clarify something I said, I think a few podcast episodes ago. Right now, I think over the past two years, it's been Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup one and two, but I think Cup was by far the better receiver this year. Um, you know, you look at Adams from a physicality standpoint with his route running, I, I think he is the best receiver in the league overall. But this year, I mean, the, the chemistry between Stafford and Cup was unbelievable. I mean, Cup could run all three levels of the field with his routes, short, intermediate, and deep, and, and still have a, a massive effect on the defense. And I just, you know, for a guy who's who's 6'2", you know, little taller than a Cole Beasley, who's your typical slot receiver. But, you know, the Rams do a number of different things with Cooper Cup as far as their formations are concerned. They could split him out wide. They could put him at the uh, – they could put him in a slot. They can put him at the top of a three-by-one formation, and then he could work the middle of the field from there and manipulate the linebackers. And, again, I just – I think we saw chemistry between Stafford and Cup that we didn't really see between – see between Goff and Cup. Then, again, uh, Jared Goff's a different quarterback. So I agree. I, I I think it's pretty unanimous here as far as who the offensive player of the year should be. Yeah, it's Cooper Cup. <laughs> I just want to correct myself from earlier. I said since 2000, there were three, three non-quarterbacks. It's four. 2000, actually. I forgot Marshall Falk won that. But, yeah, Cooper Cup had a phenomenal season. You know, I was going back and forth with myself. I was like, did he benefit from Robert Woods being out and Deshaun Jackson leaving? Or was that even harder? Did you know? Did we under see his ability to his route running ability, his ability to get open, his ability to make hard, you know, those tough catches? Because this quarterback down the stretch really didn't help him out. If you think about Matt Stafford and some of the erratic play that he's had, I think that Cooper Cup has had the second best receiver receiving season of our lifetimes outside of Colin Johnson in 2012. And I think you know. Not only and more impressive, so we can talk about Calvin Johnson. More impressive, Cooper Cup beat Jerry Rice's record. I don't care about Calvin Johnson. We talked about the greatest receiver of all time, probably the greatest athlete of all time. Jerry Rice is going to be in there, and Cooper Cup broke that record this year. So, and I think he got the triple crown. Did he get the receptions? Yeah, he got all rounds, and yeah, so yeah. he got the triple crown this year. So you you don't look past that. I think honestly. If I was one of the MVP voters, and I know we're talking about Officer Player of the Year, my vote would have went to Cooper Cup, but it just doesn't work like that. And he should be happy that he doesn't win the MVP because the MVP hasn't won the Super Bowl since 1999. So we're all good there. Good job, Cooper Cup. Kurt Warner, huh, Charles? Kurt Warner, my first yep. first Super Bowl <laughs> ever. That's my favorite and first Super Bowl. Well, and I I think Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he deserves some credit. I mean, the the guy was an amazing player this season. Um, you know, he he, yeah, he had you know eighteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns. I mean, 
He is somebody that Wentz could always dump the ball off to just real quick to to gain some yards. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Taylor carried that Colts offense. I don't know. I know a thing or two about their quarterback, and Jonathan Taylor really helped that quarterback throughout the year. Although it didn't work out in that last game. And we talked about it, Ben. I think you and I, on the first episode, we talked about why didn't they hand the ball off to Jonathan Tellermore? The Colts would be in the playoffs. And the formula that they had with running first and passing second probably would have taken them. Maybe we're not looking at the Bengals in this world. We could be looking at the Colts. You just never know. Yeah, I looked at the stats earlier before coming on, and uh, you know it was sort of that way for them for the last three games. They just kind of fell off the face of the earth and uh, – they weren't relying on him. I think at one point it was like they were eight and zero whenever he had a hundred yards or something, you know, something crazy like that. But um, you know, nevertheless, uh, let's move on to uh, defensive player of the year. Um, I think it's going to go to TJ Watt. I mean, the dude has been playing out of his mind all season, and uh, you know, he tied Michael Michael Strahan's uh, single season record for sacks at twenty two and a half, and he missed two games and he actually left four games early. So um, I think TJ Watt could have broken that record. And I think that he's going to be an amazing player for the Steelers defense for years to come. I'm curious to see if you guys kind of thought the same thing and um, you know, what you think of TJ Watt? I think TJ Watt's going to run away with it as well. Um, Ben, like you mentioned, um, tied Michael Strahan's single season sack record. Um, Just made a number of game changing plays for, the Steelers defensively. And quite honestly, without TJ Watt and the impact he has had on some of these games, I don't think the Steelers make the playoffs. I, I think it goes to TJ Watt. I know there was a lot of talk about Micah Parsons being not only the um, defensive rookie of the year, but um, defensive player of the year in general. And as well as Micah played this year, I personally am not ready to give that to him yet. Not just because he's a rookie, but you know, comparatively speaking, the season TJ Watt had was, was superior. And, you know, I, I do my best not to be a homer. I mean, I think, you know, the Cowboys have so many stars on both sides of the ball, but this one absolutely belongs to TJ Watt. I don't think there's any question about it. So I think they're going to pick TJ Watt, but I don't think they should. I think the clear, you look at the defensive lines and TJ Watt is always rushing. You look at defensive lines. He has what's Cam Hayward, and Steven Tillett on that defensive line to help him out a lot. And I know Steeler fans will cry and say that T.J. Wise held every play while there's holding every play. I think the defensive player of the year should 100% be Micah Parson. We wow. have never seen a rookie do the things that Micah Parson has done. And, you know, let's look at the Cowboys this season. And I think after that game one, I thought that Micah Parson might be in trouble. Because I remember one play specifically, Brady doing, you know, had a play action pass going, and Michael Parsons just turns all the way. Oh, up. he looked like the Tasmanian yeah. devil. He didn't know where he was going. And that kid, I mean, the Cowboys have picked a player who will be, you know, let's talk about when we talk about um, great, you know, pass rushers. Demarcus Ware, TJ, I mean, not TJ Watt, Michael Parsons broke Demarcus Ware's rookie sack record for the Cowboys. 
you look at all the great things, and I, I don't use the word great when I talk about players or just anything. You have to be great to use that. And I, I think I get that from, you know, maybe the commentators today would say great, but, you know, Madden didn't call me by great unless you were actually great. And I just think Michael Parsons is such a great football player. He will continue to develop into a great football player, but his breaking the Cowboys rookie sack record, his defensive line was, you know, T.J. Watt was hurt, but his defensive line was not. And you, Demarcus Lawrence out, Randy Gregory out. Nobody can even name the Cowboys' defensive tackles. But we look at um, Micah Parsons and what he was able to do. He single-handedly won the Redskins game. He also won the uh, – what was that one game? Oh, my God. Come on, Bush. I think he had a significant impact on a number of different There's games. There's a number of different games. Whereas TJ Watt, yeah, he broke the sack record, but he also broke it against a quarterback who well, he didn't break it. He should have broke it, but the the one was a it was a fumble. Right. But I think I, I just I, yeah, I think it's and, Michael Parsons. And, and I know a lot of people are gonna say, Oh yeah, you know, defensive player of the year. This isn't the most sacks of the year award, which I believe me, I get that one hundred percent. But, uh, you know, yeah, Micah Parsons had a great season. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that TJ Watt is – I think he's deserving of this award, man. I mean, Mike is going to get his. Um, you know, we're we're going to talk about him as the defensive rookie. I, I don't see how anybody could not think that. But, um, yeah. He so. had 13 sacks in 15 games. And I think when we talk about he'll get his, I think his is now. That Cowboys defense, I mean, you look at the kid going back to the preseason game, arguing with Dan Clinton trying to get back in the game. I think T.J. Watt just one of the best of, you know, abilities is availability. And, yeah, he had those sacks, but he wasn't available in a couple of games this year, whereas T.J. Watt, I mean, whereas and Michael Parsons think, was. Yeah, no, Charles, that those are really, really good points. And, I, and I'm interested to see if T.J. Watt has the same impact on the Steelers' defense Um next year as he did this year because now that Keith Butler has retired Terrell Austin has taken over as their defensive coordinator and I'd like to see if he follows suit with that same philosophy and that same uh, that same defensive scheme you know I, I think we can point to a number of examples around the league where a coach has had a significant impact on a player utilizing his strengths to the benefit of the team and then that coach either gets a promotion or he leaves for another team and that player isn't exactly the same so That'll that'll be that'll be interesting. I personally think TJ Watt is too talented to let something like that affect his play, but who knows? We're just right. forgetting about the Cam Hayward factor and the Steven Tillett. Yeah, I mean, Cowboys. absolutely, certainly, yeah. You know, I I don't want to take that, that away from him, stuff but helps. Yeah, TJ Watt's going to win it. I just don't think he should. I think Michael Parsons should. But right, just me. Okay, so uh, let's move on. I want to kind of get into rookies of the year now so let's uh let's talk about the offensive rookie of the year bush i want to start off with you you know i'll fill in with what i think afterwards but I, I'm, I'm curious as to what you think after watching this season play out oh i think it's jamar chase i i absolutely think it's jamar chase um so i posted something to my instagram story jamar chase said that growing up he always modeled his game after des bryant who Man, I can't choose between him or Tony Romo as far as who my favorite Cowboy is of all time. But I would absolutely say that when I read that quote, it, it made me smile because, you know, Des played with 
such a, a physicality. Like he was literally Marshawn Lynch wide receiver version, especially in the open field. Yes, sir. Toss off that X Charles. <laughs> but I think uh, I think it's Jamar Chase. I think that him and Des are obviously two completely different wide receivers. But you know, Jamar had a really really rough um, preseason. You know, Mike Florio being the putz he is comes out with this article saying. <laughs> Oh, the reason why Jamar Chase is dropping all of these passes, particularly um, in the screen game and on the short passing game, is because the ball in the NFL is different than the ball in college. Florio's whole take was because the ball in college has stripes on it, it's easier for Chase to see. Meanwhile, the ball in the NFL is just, you know, it's a brown pigskin. And I, I think, you know, from week one on, Jamar Chase just literally proved all of his critics wrong. Um and, and I, I think the game that really solidifies it, in my opinion, is the game that he had week 17 against the Chiefs. I mean, he just went off that game. And I think you saw the instant chemistry that him and Joe Burrow developed right away. I mean, you, you could put the two of them as a, as a top five quarterback wide receiver tandem in this league as we speak. So, yeah, I, I think it's absolutely going to be Jamar Chase, his style of play, uh, not only his physicality, but his speed as well. And I, I think another thing that he really, really improved on starting with week one against the Vikings, he's got great hands. He's got great hands. Joe Burrow threw up a little back shoulder fade to him in the AFC championship game against the Chiefs, where he just simply out-muscled the defender, went up, grabbed it with his hands, tucked the ball back into his chest like all receivers are taught to do. And I think that was a crucial play in the game. Um, so, yeah, that, that goes to Jamar Chase, undoubtedly, in my mind. Yeah. I I think we're all in agreement here. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you look at the stats, 81 catches, 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, the dude averaged 18 yards a catch. I mean, I think this one's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, people thought the Bengals were kind of stupid for drafting a wide receiver when they need, you know, an offensive tackle. But, um, yeah, you know, they got on him about not being able to catch the ball and, you know, He's a rookie. I mean, Jesus Christ, like you said, Bush, what an amazing game in week 17. And um, they've just been kind of riding him out throughout this whole run. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to have a great Super Bowl. And, um, you know, obviously having a guy like Burrow is certainly a helping factor. But, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear cut. What do you think, Charles? I think we knew who Jamar Chase was in week one when he went over 100 yards. Like, and then, you know, being so now, I live in Baltimore now, so I'm around a lot of Ravens fans. So in the MNT Bank Stadium and went for 200 yards. I think people were talking about, and I mentioned this earlier to Ben, the laces, like his comment about the laces on the ball and the ball, like, and I was like, that doesn't mean anything. The preseason doesn't mean anything. He's getting acclimated with what this game is. I think Jamar Chase is going to be the best wide receiver in the league. I think him and Devontae Smith, and I'm not being a homer here, but I think them two are going to light this league up. And um, just focusing on Jamar Chase, I think I, – I, I don't know who I'm picking in the Super Bowl yet still. But I hope he has a <laughs> you better day. figure it out. We're – we're not too far away from I, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about 20 uh, minutes away. I, I don't <laughs> know, but I think that Jamar Chase had a phenomenal year. I think I said to people at the draft when there were people, there was another group that I was in, they were saying like, well, the Bengals need to draw, draft offensive line because, you know, 
Joe Burrow can't pass the ball if he doesn't got time to pass. I was like, yeah, but if you get a good receiver, that first two steps off the line, man, motherfucker gonna be out. <laughs> Game changer. <laughs> you just throw it up. And and I Bush, I love your um your comparison to Des Bryant. I I remember watching Des Bryant at the link. I was at the game. Remember he went for three touchdowns at the link on Bradley Fletcher? Trust me. I remember that too. Oh, 2014. Yeah. Very happy boy that night, man. Woo. I remember it got so easy. At all. Romo, I mean, Romo saw that he was on Bradley Fletcher and Romo was like, we got it. We got it. <laughs> just throw it up. And, and hey. that's what you can do. When you trust a guy, you can just throw it, throw it up. Brady yeah, hey, do it absolutely. Randy Moss. Like Burrow said, uh, before- fuck it. Jamar's down there somewhere, eh? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's how it go. That you know, McNabb did it to To in 05 Brady did it to Deion Branch in those earlier years. You just, it is what it is. You you know when your guy is your guy, and you can trust your guy to throw that ball up. So I think Jamar Chase by far. I don't even know any other offensive rookies. If there are other offensive rookies, then sorry that you came out this year because Jamar Chase definitely it's his award to win. You guys aren't going to win it. Better luck in the <laughs> sophomore years. <laughs> yeah, you know we there was some there was some chatter earlier in the season about um, my boy Mac Jones, and you know I think he had a great season, but um, you know not I, nowhere near what Jamar had, and I, I think Najee Harris had a great season as well as a rookie, but um, when you break it down, you know Jamar is certainly the the clear cut. Offensive rookie of the year. So, yeah. uh, without number two players you just named, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> we'll, we'll see some more of them here over the next couple of years. I I think every everybody we've mentioned um will be great. Yeah. But uh, you know, so yeah, let's move on to defensive rookie of the year, which you know I think we already talked about it a little bit, but well, <laughs> I think it's going to be a clean sweep. Micah Parsons and Bush as a Cowboys fan. Give that man some more love. I want to hear what you got to say about it. So, so here's where I'll give Michael all his, all his flowers. This one belongs to Micah Parsons. You know, you look at the change in schematic philosophy between um, Mike Nolan, who was a terrible hire by Mike McCarthy last year, and now you bring Dan Quinn into the equation when he's able to work with dogs like um, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Micah Parsons. Oh, Christ, let's go into the secondary. Trayvon Diggs, I know some people argue that he's more of a ball hawk than he is a man-to-man coverage defensive back, but Trayvon obviously had a great year. And then with the additions of Malik Hooker, Demonte KZ, J. Ron Curse, I mean, I could go on and on here, but I, I think Micah literally changed that defense. This this simply belongs to him. Um, I knew he was the real deal. Week two, he made a couple of plays against Justin Herbert and the Chargers, but there was one play week three on Monday Night Football against Philadelphia. Um, I can't remember which down it was, but um, Michael was lined up at defensive end. I know he was drafted as a linebacker, but they lined him up at defensive end, and I think it just showed how versatile of a, of a defensive player he is. Um, he was lined up at the – he was lined up on the left side, and Jalen Hurts ran a – it was a little RPO, um, except he faked the handoff to Miles Sanders and then took it himself up the left-hand side behind their left tackle. Micah made a beautiful swim move, got underneath the Eagles' left tackle, wrapped him up, and then from there the convoy took over, and they just 
they threw Jalen Hurts' ass on the ground. And I think that was really the defining moment for me where I was like, this guy was worth a first-round pick. He's just a dog, and he just plays with this mentality. And he has that sideline-to-sideline speed that reminds me of Luke Keekley, who was phenomenal when he was in the league as well, and I think will be a Hall of Famer one day. But Micah, Micah deserves this. Not to mention, not only can you line him up at linebacker and defensive end because he's a bit of a, a hybrid linebacker and defensive end, put him out on cover. Put him out in coverage. Put him out in coverage. You know, I know Kenny Galladay didn't have a great year, but you know, there was one play against the Giants where Mike Glennon just threw up a little fucking medicine ball pass to Kenny Galladay on the right hand side of the end zone. Micah didn't even have to look up. He just put his hands up and the ball was incomplete. So yes, this is where his man deserves this is where this man deserves all this credit. And and can you imagine not having a guy like this on your team? I mean, they wanted oh, the Sertan. defense would have been awful. We're, they wanted, you know, they wanted Sertan, they wanted JC Horn. I think they got the right guy. I'll tell you what, man. I don't want Sertan anymore. I I'm glad we I'm glad we drafted Micah. He he's he's a dog. It's as simple as that. Shout out to Patrick Sertan Jr. I also wanted the Eagles to draft him, and I think he had a good year for rookie corner, which rookie corners usually don't have good years, and he actually did. But Michael Parsons, earlier, I'd just like to correct myself. I said that he had a good game against the Redskins. I meant the Washington football team, but he was the game breaker in that game. I know we're not allowed this. You know, the Redskins aren't their name anymore. The football hey, team isn't the their name anymore. Okay, yeah. The Washington Commanders. <laughs> it ain't the football team. Come on, man. Oh, the Commanders are coming to town. The Let's commanders, be scared. Yeah. yeah, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> them and their owner. Um, I think my good parts, I, I gave my argument already in the Defensive Player of the Year Award. I think he should win both. Right. I don't think there is a player who played better than him defensively. TJ Watt got the sex, but what else did he do? He was injured. I think Michael Parsons had an amazing year. And that's that's a double-edged sword for me because I grew up a Penn State fan, but then stopped being a Penn State fan. I don't really like Penn State anymore. And then, you know, he's a cowboy. And it's just not, you know, from the Harrisburg area. So Harrisburg is, thinks they're better than Philly, but they're not. So I really do like him. I think Bush was very surprised when I said that earlier. I think when I look back at the draft, I think about who the Eagles should have drafted. I think we got the right pick in Devontae Smith. But we could have very easily taken um, Michael Parsons. And I think Dan Quinn, who is a great defensive coordinator, not a great head coach, did right by Michael Parsons. And and it didn't. So I'm going to say that maybe Michael Parsons has something to do with how he was used this year. Because Dan Quinn was not using him properly in the beginning. But Michael Parsons did what he had to do to get himself in the right position to make plays. And he always showed him on film. I mean, you look at the Hall of Fame game. He had a fumble recovery in that game. That, that's right out the gate. Nobody even watches the Hall of Fame game anymore. But, but yeah. you know. He true, came true ready to play. Fans. I mean. Yeah, uh, right out the gate. You know. Got a fumble recovery. A lot of us, you know, tuned into the Pro Bowl this week for maybe a, a, a play or two. Because it was such a fucking joke. But, um. You know, even Parsons, he was playing balls to the wall in the in the Pro Bowl too. I mean, the guy is a, a football juggernaut through and through, and um, yeah, <laughs> the dude's gonna be amazing. And Bush, you you got to be fortunate to have a guy like that on your team. Got to be proud of the guy. So yeah, 
Um, hope, hopefully he takes this one home, but um, kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the coach of the year. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think who I say is really going to surprise you guys. So I'm going to wait and kind of offer up my opinion at the end. But um, Charles, I want to start with you. Um, I really hope that you're not going to tell me you think Andy Reid is the head head coach of the year. But, um, you know, no. let's hear what you got to say. I think the head coach of the year is someone who was not a head coach at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to go with Rick Passaccio. You think about what the Ra- Raiders went through. So Gruden getting fired, the guy who got the DUI. Henry Ruggs. Ruggs. Henry Ruggs got the yep. DUI. Um, you got Monday Night Football reminding us every week that Darren Waller was on drugs. You just think about, you know, Derek Carr was not, you know, at his best after that Chargers game and after what's-his-name got fired. And I think that, you know, while he won't be a head coach this year, I think he had a really good year with the team. There's never been an end-season coaching change due to firing where, a you know, a coach has taken – the team to the playoffs. There has been an in-season coaching change where they went to the playoffs and that was with the Colts and like Bruce Arians when Chuck Pagano had cancer. But I think you think about what he did in the division with Andy Reid, who, if I can just pause on um, Passaccio for a second, Andy Reid does deserve some credit because I remember a lot of people saying at the beginning of the year, oh, look at these Chiefs. They're not, they're not where they're supposed to be. And he got them. I mean, ultimately, they hosted the AFC Championship game, and they were a quarter away from being in the Super Bowl again. So um, I won't take that away from Andy Reid, but I think while Passaccio didn't win a playoff game, I think, to get there. And I'm not a to-get-there type of person. I believe if you get there, you should win there. I think we are – and we were fortunate to watch that Raiders team. I think, you know – it's the type of team that Al Davis would have liked to watch. I don't think Al Davis would have fired John Gruden. So that's the difference because Al Davis would if you know Al Davis, <laughs> anything that the NFL had to say about the Raiders, it was a whole thing against him. So he wouldn't have fired Gruden. But um, I think Passaccio did an excellent job with that team this year. Yeah, I can't take anything away from the guy. I mean, he was put into a tough situation. Um you know, yeah, like you said, with rugs and guys like Damon Arnett and Gruden and just all the bullshit that they dealt with this year. Uh, yeah, credit to Rick Passaccia. I mean, Jesus, he brought him to the playoffs even. And, you know, um, it, you know, it's, it, I, I thought that they were going to keep him around and I'll be very interested to see how my guy Josh McDaniels does out there in, in Vegas. But <laughs> Charles, given the. Come on, man. <laughs> but uh, if he isn't recording other teams, he's not going to do well. Oh, I'm a Broncos. The Patriot right. way. Yeah, enough of that shit. All right, Bush, who's your coach of the year and why? Oh, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That guy really fucking pisses me off. Anyway, no, I actually think it's going to be Zach Taylor. <laughs> I see you two laughing. You can't tell me otherwise. No, I think Bro, I almost I spit my drink Taylor, out when you honestly. said that. <laughs> Mike McCarthy, yeah, you guys can Mike take McCarthy me still doesn't know who called that fourth that draw play on the last play of the game. 
Jer- I think Jerry Mike called McCarthy it doesn't know what day it is. Oh yeah, Jerry put a phone call into McCarthy and said, "This is a fight going around. You understand me now? I'm telling you, right? <laughs> it went down. Oh, enough, oh, enough. We we have we have fun on this podcast. Uh, no, I, I think it's going to be Zach Taylor. I, I think when you look at what happened to the Bengals last year, they weren't a very good team, but it was very clear Burrow was their future. And then he got hurt against you know Washington Commanders, and um, he was out for the rest of the year, torn ACL and MCL. And he played phenomenally this year. And I think particularly in the back end of the season, specifically the last five games, I just think, you know, Burrow really took off from there. And I think a lot of that is credit to Zach Taylor and the staff he's put together and the offensive system he's put together. Um, They finished 10 and seven. They beat the Raiders in their first playoff matchup. Then they went on to the divisional and they beat the Titans, and we all saw what they did to tennis. Uh, excuse me, what they did to Kansas City. And I'm excited to see what they do against the Rams. I, I, I just think that the run they have gone on is very reminiscent of what Tom Coughlin did with his Giants teams. And I know I compared the Niners to the Giants on previous podcast episodes, but I, I really think that the Bengals also have that that same swagger. And credit to Zach Taylor. I mean, you look at that coaching tree with McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, you know, Kevin O'Connell being hired as a new Vikings head coach. And now, and now Zach Taylor, I I really think that what he has done in year three of his tenure is, is phenomenal. I couldn't agree more. Uh, He he took the words right out of my mouth. And I, I am a little bit surprised that you said that because I didn't think anyone was going to talk about him, but um yeah, you know, he took the Bengals from worst to first in a division where the other three teams made the playoffs last year. And not to mention, he he's only got five starters left on that team from 2019 when he took over. And the Bengals are a young team. Uh, they're going to be good for years to come. I mean, you know, look what they did to the Steelers and the Ravens this year, which I, I don't know if I expected it. They swept them, you know. 89 points and uh you know they they also knocked off the chiefs twice i mean you don't see that happen often and you know i think that when it comes to coach of the year a lot of times it does go to the guys that are the number one seeds so um while i i would love to see zach taylor win it i think unfortunately it's gonna be rabel or lafleur but, um, you know, I, I agree with everything you said, Bush. I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. And I, I was surprised that you said that, honestly, because I thought you were going to say somebody like Lafleur or Vrabel. Um, but, you know, I knew Charles wasn't going to mention Vrabel because, you know, he's been a joke the last couple of years in the postseason. But uh, he's a joke. <laughs> I just feel like Lafleur and Vrabel. Particularly, you know, when you have the seasons they did, and quite honestly, I didn't really even think Tennessee was that good of a team this year at all. I thought they were, you know, when they lost Derrick Henry, they just lost that ground and pound swagger play action. Let's hit AJ Brown, let's hit Julio Jones over the middle. And I think they just, like like many teams do, they just get away from what they do best. And LaFleur, yeah, all right, you, you can pin that on him, but there are times where I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just such a difficult person to put up with because of his ego. 
And I know Charles will agree on that. Charles can go on for days about that. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Fuck him. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just couldn't hold it in. No, man. I'm finished. Go off. Fuck Mike Rabel. Fuck Matt LaFleur. You know what they got in common? Both of them coached their teams to the number one seat, and both of them lost in the first round. Think about it. How good could you be? LaFleur, for the last, and I know Coach of the Year is for the season, for the last three years, he's gotten to the NFC Championship lost, gotten to the NFC Championship and lost, gotten to, you know, the first round. No, wait, he had the number one seed the last two years, right? LaFleur, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they did. And then the Vikings, I mean, not Maybe the Vikings. The last three years. No, the 49ers had it the one year because the NFC Championship was in San Francisco. But then you True, look at yeah. Vrabel. I'll give Vrabel his credit. They did make it to the AFC Championship and beat the number one seed in 2019. But in 2020, you had a chance. You had a home playoff game, lost in the first round. And in 2021, had a home playoff game and lost in the first round. So I think these coaches are severely overrated. And just you know, the regular season, how much does it matter? After you clinch what you got to clinch, you got to play in the playoffs. And I don't even think, you know, it used to be that the playoffs didn't even matter for these some of these awards. So I don't know if they still do or not because the NFL made that big award show because they got to make money. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you know the NFL, you know it's it's always about the money. So, so yeah. And just to add one, one quick, just to add on that, and the reason why I say that is I remember in 2008, Mike Smith won coach of the year where, you know, obviously Mike Tomlin should have won coach of the year and Mike Smith went one and done. And Mike Tomlin did what every coach wants to do and won the Super Bowl. So I hope it's not LaFleur. I, I really do. And, you know, I, I'd like to see Vrabel win it, but, you know, like Bush and I said, I, I think it's gotta be Zach Taylor. He, he, he did a hell of a job this year and, you know, credit to Rick Passaccia as well. So, before we move on, did you want to talk about the Alvin Kamara situation that sort of unfolded out at the Pro Bowl? Good for him to make the only tackle of the weekend. No, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> seriously, yeah. I think, I think like, how stupid could – I don't like Alvin Kamara because I remember him tweeting that, oh, if the Saints would have made it past Minnesota in 2017, we would have beat the Eagles' ass. Well, you know. You have no rings, and Nick Foles has one. I think he's. I think it's petty. I think this is probably who. I think this is who he is. I think maybe he got into a situation, and some of us, everybody, is going to step into it in our lives, and it may not be the same type of step into it. But I think this is absolutely stupid. It's a stupid mistake. And then, did you all see the pictures of the guy that he? Yeah, I mean, was, they lumped him up. Yeah, it was pretty disturbing. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, he had a bunch of lumps on him. I'm not going to say, I don't know what happened. I don't know if that guy might have started with him. Maybe the guy asked for it, but apparently he, he called, apparently he called one of the, one of their friends ugly or Kamara's girlfriend ugly or something along those lines. But I don't yeah. know that that constitutes getting your ass whooped. No, uh, no, you know. no. Um, and it's unfortunate because you see this, this kind of behavior all too often with some of these NFL athletes. And the, the one thing that that sort of reminded me a little bit of was like the Ray Rice situation and how poorly handled it was by the league. And I, I you know, with the way the league does shit, I think it's going to be the same situation here 
Uh, you know, you see the guy in jail now. If that was you or me, <laughs> we'd be fucked. You know, we we'd be we'd be out in Vegas prison for you know for years. But this guy's a big NFL star. He's got money. He's got all the attorneys to to point towards. And you know, unfortunately, I think that um, you know we're we're gonna see him back on the NFL football field next year, which I don't really like that. But um, you know. Honestly, other than the fact that Schefter broke the news, I didn't really look that too far into it. I just think we've got another classic case of a guy going out into public after a big game or a Pro Bowl, and, you know, they surround themselves with the wrong people and put themselves in the wrong situation, and here we go. We have an incident uh, that unfolded on Sunday night after the Pro Bowl. So I think I it actually happened. I, know, what was, it, I think it happened. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I think me, it Saturday happened. night, yes. Saturday night before the game, and he was apprehended and arrested, I think, like 20 minutes after unstrapping his shoulder pads at the Pro Bowl. But nevertheless, yes. Interesting. Okay. Stupid. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I didn't look that far into it. I thought reading Schefter's tweet automatically meant that he went out after the game on Sunday, did what he did, and was apprehended at the scene. But, you know. Schefter's not going to get very specific about stuff like that. No, as we know. no. But yeah, Schefter, you know, I just, I just, I really don't think there's too much to say about it. Just, just you know, another, another stupid thing a player does when they go out in the public and they know they're making millions and making all the plays. So right, yeah, we'll see what happens. But um, you know, enough on that, uh, Charles. I hope you've had enough time to get your Super Bowl pick in and figured out here because um, let's talk about it, guys. Uh, Super Bowl 56, we're only a couple days away. You got the Rams at the Bengals, which is kind of weird because the Rams are playing at their home stadium. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, and, you know, Charles, I do. I'm not asking for your pick right away, but I do want to, to hear your thoughts on who you would who you think is going to have the hangover from the t- from the, the bye week, if you will. We're just going on straight off experience. I don't believe in hangover, actually, but if we're going what all the pundits say off the experience, and it would just be the Bengals because they've never done this before, right? The Rams were just in the Super Bowl in 2018, so but Matthew Stafford wasn't. But some of their main stars, um, Aaron Donald. Whoever else, I think Robert Woods was on that team, but he's not playing. There's a couple of people on that team. Wentworth that can talk about the experience of being in the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't buy into those. This is the hangover thing because I look back into 2017 where it was like, well, the Patriots have been here year after year after year after year, and the Eagles weren't. But I think the it really comes down to what the coaches do. So the extra one of the things, one of the other things. In addition to being off for that extra week, there's also that longer halftime. So I remember Doug Peterson specifically, you know, putting that into the practice and getting the team ready that way. So could can Zach Taylor do that? Is Sean McZay going to incorporate that into his practices? I I, I don't know. Um, so I don't I I don't think that matters to be honest. I think it matters. You know, is this moment going to be bigger? too big for the Bengals? No, I don't think so. Because you look at their top two stars, Jamar Chase and um, 
Joe Burrow. Well, they just won the national championship. Was it two years ago? That's yeah. the biggest day that you can get to in a you know college football. I mean, college fo- football national championships are a little bit different than the BCS national championship. You actually got to play a playoff to get into there. You're not selected by some numbers thing like the BCS used to be. So I think you know I I don't think that matters if I'm being honest. Um, okay, it doesn't. Yeah, that's, one team might that's one team might come in and play loose. You know, we never been there. We're gonna be loose. And the other team has been there, and they may not be loose. So, right. And uh, I guess um, you know, as far as picks go, uh, Bush. I know, you know, you've you've had some time to think about this, and we've we've talked about it a little bit. Curious to see what direction you think the Super Bowl is going to go, and who you got coming out on top this this weekend. So I almost feel like it would be a little odd of me to just flip the script here and say, I'm going to go with the Rams. No, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Bengals. I just, I really think that they're the hot team right now. You know, you look at what they did towards the back end of the season, particularly the last five games, this playoff run they've gone on. And it, it just looks like they've got each other's backs. You know, like they've literally got each other. They're all in. They're buying into the system. They like what uh, they like what Zach Taylor has put in place and the culture that he's established. Not to mention, you've got your star-studded quarterback and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzoma, who literally ripped his brace off his knee and said, "I'm not missing the biggest game of my life." A couple of uh, a couple of nights ago, so that was incredible which was absolutely an incredible moment. You know, to Charles's point, yeah, the Rams were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against New England. We all know how that went. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I just – I don't know. I just – I don't think since he's going to go down easily. I don't think they're going to go out at all. I think they're, I think they're going to win this game. I think it's going to be a close game, but not a very high-scoring game. But then again, who knows? Anything can happen. Like, literally anything can happen. And it's weird because I feel like this is one of those Super Bowls where I'm like, Man, I don't know if it's going to be a good game. I don't know if it's going to be a, a, a bad game. It's just, I, I who knows? We're just going to have to wait and see on some of that. Well, do you think there's a potential for a shootout? Do you think it gets to be one of those games where it's like 37-34? Or do you think it's going to be a, a defensive game? We, we know the Rams have a great defense. You know, uh, this is a game where I can see it being like 21-17 or 24 to 21. Like, I think it'll be close. It's going to be one of those, like, three or four-point games, which Vegas has the spread set at four for the Rams are the favorite. <laughs> I'd love to see Evan McPherson come out and kick another game winner and get those guys their first Lombardi trophy. That would be incredible. But, yeah, I, I think the Bengals come out on top as well. Um, I got Joe Burrow as the Super Bowl MVP. I already put my bet in on FanDuel, no free advertisements. But, um, you know, I think Sean McVay and, you know, Charles, <laughs> we've talked about this guy before. I think, you know, there's a potential for him to come out here and have another one of those, like, head-scratching performances where it's like, what are we doing? You know, put put his team in a tough spot with a stupid challenge or, you know, waste of time out here or, you know, head into the fourth quarter with no timeouts. So um, McVay's been there. I I thought that we would see him back here again. Yeah, I think Zach Taylor has done a hell of a job this year, and it'd be cool to see Taylor, you know, a guy who's been been under McVay before, 
to go out and beat him in the Super Bowl. Taylor used to coach under Sean McVay, so I'm sure he's picked up a lot of Sean McVay's bad habits. I look at Sean McVay, let's just go back to 53. And one thing that he's not going to do this time when I think that he was starstruck, if you remember the conversation that he had with Belichick before the game, it was the weirdest shit I've ever heard before. It was, I don't give <laughs> fuck, if I'm coaching against Belichick, I'm telling them, look, you old fuck, I'm going to beat you in this world. <laughs> And, like, fuck you and Tom Brady. And he's starstruck. Oh, I love you. You're, you're amazing. I, I want to beat you one day. And No. Yeah, save I, that shit for after the game. Exactly. I'm not saying that shit before the game. I'm psyching you up. And, and you look at the year before, and I just hate to keep bringing up the Eagles, but Doug Peterson was like, yeah, whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> and when Belichick are talking before the game, Belichick right. giving the Eagles comments. And he, Peterson's not feeding into that shit at all. And then I think Sean McVay, that Super Bowl in 53, the Rams should have won that by far. The Patriots offense was just not – it wasn't really that good that game. And I think you go back to – Sean McVay just made a lot of stupid play calls. I think he was scared that game. Then I look at Zach Taylor. And I think a couple times in this part, this show, you both have mentioned how good he was this year. But, you know, he had a good game against Lamar. Um, I think that was week six or seven, but it got a little bit easier for them as the year went on. As far as the division, the Browns remained to be the Browns. And yeah, they had a good year the year before, but how far are you going to go with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback? Ben Roethlisberger has been on a retirement tour for the last at least three years. So I think they swept them too. And um, Jamar Chase obviously did a great job, but has Jamar Chase went up against Jalen Ramsey yet? Is Baker Mayfield just not Baker? Sorry, Joe Burrow going to be able to throw the ball up to Jamar Chase <laughs> um, when there's pressure on him? They have a bad offensive line, and, and I understand that. I understand earlier that I said they should pick Jamar Chase, and I still stand by that. But who the fuck are you going to block? You got Floyd. You got Bob Miller. Bob Miller's been waiting to get back here since fifty, and. <laughs> I didn't name the guy from Pitt yet, but Aaron Donald, you just think about him. But I also think that if you take away Jamar Chase, you got T. Higgins, you got C.J. Ozama with his leg, and, you know, I'm going to pick the Rams. I think Matthew Stafford and who's going to guard Odell Beckham? Eli Apple talked about his shit this week, but he didn't face Odell Beckham. Fucking Eli Apple, that guy, man, I swear. He can't keep his mouth shut. Nah. And I, I think shit <laughs> Watch like it that, too. Well, he's still focused on the Chiefs. You beat the Chiefs. Great job. The Chiefs laid down in that second half. Right. You Move beat on. The, exactly. You, know, you beat the, the biggest Titans. game of your career. Like, fucking forget about that shit. Move on. Exactly. Focus. You beat the Titans when, you know, Mike Rabel made the most, and we didn't mention this on the show, he made the most idiotic play of the game. You know, the, coaching decision on that fourth one giving it to Derrick Henry when Deontay Foreman was the more healthy and more strong back at that time. He would have got to a yard and we, we're not even talking about the Bengals. So McPherson talking his shit you're a kicker. Shut the fuck up. Like <laughs> you're not a real football player. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think the Rams are going to win this game. And I, I'm, I'm just thinking about that now. I, as much as I don't want to see Sean McVay win this world, I'm happy for um, their quarterback, Matthew Stafford, I just I don't think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think if 
if the I think the Bengals can't play like they've played before, they have to play ahead. They can't be playing from behind because the good defense is going to pin their ears back and have a good time with a quarterback named Joe Burrow this week. Right. And you know, I don't pick the Rams. You know, I, I think uh, what it ultimately is going to come down to is, um, you know, who plays better defensively and not to mention the, the turnover battle as well. You know, you had the Rams with four turnovers against the Buccaneers and they still somehow managed to win that game. But, uh, you know, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, yeah, like you said, they're great. Um, you know, I, I really like I wanna I wanna pick the Rams, but I like I said, I think the I think the Bengals come out and uh they get it done. Uh I'm pulling for the Evan McPherson Adam Vinatieri style walk off to win their first Super Bowl. I think that'd be awesome. I would love to see the Bengals win the Super Bowl. I just don't think they want I don't want Sean McBay to win the Super Bowl. I think Sean McVay is it's just, I've talked about before, I just don't like him. I don't think he's, you know, he was coined as this, coined as this boy wonder, this amazing coach. And I just think, you know, his stuff is, it's gotten stale over the years. And I think Matthew Stafford, although he had some shaky shit going on, and then Cooper Cup playing out of this world, I think we, you know, the Rams are probably going to win this game. I'd, I'd be happy. I, I don't care either way. I think the halftime show is going to be the most interesting thing out of this game, and that's bad to say. I'm happy to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got, what, Snoop Dogg, Eminem. Snoop, Eminem, Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, Kendrick. Kendrick. Yeah. It's going to be a Mary, throwback. I'm excited. To, I haven't heard anything from Mary J in a while. So. Mary going to shut that shit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Absolutely. so I, you know, I I think it's gonna be a good Super Bowl. Like I was talking to to Charles before we got on here, and it's you know, like I said, I think it's gonna be like one of those relaxing Super Bowls where, you know, you just kind of kick kick back, relax, watch the game, have a couple drinks, and it's not like you're rooting against somebody. You know what I mean? It's not like we're you know screaming at our TV over Mahomes or Rogers, you know, going out there and taking over the game and securing another victory but um you know it should be interesting so uh with that i think we'll we'll wrap it up for tonight um obviously you know we'll have a ton to unpack next week uh we'll we'll talk all about the game and uh we'll kind of move on to to wrap up the season as a whole but i appreciate you guys tuning in and um look forward to getting another one out to you guys next week so thanks for tuning in to bump and run podcast (laughs) 